All right, welcome back to another episode of the Speak Truth Sports Podcast. As always, I am Bert and I'm joined by Trey as usual. And today we are just gonna we're just gonna cover all the NFL free agency craziness that's been going on the past couple of days. Uh, free agency actually technically hasn't started yet. This is kind of like a handshake, like agreement type of thing. Uh, but these moves will happen once free agency does start. Uh, but none of these signings are technically official. Just putting that out there. Uh, so if you, uh, if you enjoy this type of content, if you enjoy sports news and covering, uh, sports topics and debating and all that stuff, go ahead and please subscribe to our YouTube channel, speak to sports. If you're listening on any type of podcasting app, please give us a like, a follow, uh, share us. If you, if you can, it would really help us a lot. It would help us grow. Uh, and if you're on YouTube, subscribe, hit the bell, like comment, do all that good stuff. Uh, but let's just jump right into everything that's going on. So the Patriots made a lot of moves a lot of moves they are they're kind of the talk of this free agency uh what do you think about the patriots moves i know you have a list of them don't you so the the patriots signed former tight end uh denu smith to a four-year deal uh for 50 million they signed former chargers tight end hunter henry to a three-year deal for 37.5 million uh ravens uh line former linebacker Matt Judon, that's four years, 56 mil. Uh, Eagles, former safety slash corner, that is Jalen Mills to uh, four years and 24 mil. Former Raiders wide receiver, Nelson Aguilar, two-year deal for 26 million. Former 49ers wide receiver, Kendrick Bourne, uh, for I think they signed him to three years and 22.5 million. Um, they acquired uh, Raiders offensive tackle Trent Brown through trade. Uh, they signed a Dolphins uh, nose tackle uh, also to two years. Um, so they made a lot of moves. I think there's still some more, actually. Um, I think there's one more. I think it's defensive and uh, Henry Anderson also. They signed him today. Did you also mention, uh, I think it's Justin Bethel? Well, he got re-signed. Oh, yeah, 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 he got re-signed. Uh, but yeah, they they did get a lot of players. Uh, how how do you feel about this? Because I I know there's a Patriots fans are going crazy right now. I Patriots fans are they're going crazy because Bill Belichick just woke up and just chose free agency. Yeah. Uh, what do, what do you feel about these moves? Do these moves help make the Patriots get back into the playoffs? I mean, it's to, to answer the question as simply as possible. Um, yes, uh, it's the most simple answer way answer, answer to say it. Just yes, um, you know, last season this team kind of played with the bare minimum of what pertaining to their offensive weapons. Um, their receivers put up league lows in receptions, touchdowns, and yards. Um, you know, Cam Newton had to deal with COVID, and you know when he came back, he just didn't play the same way he did. And then in his absence, you know, Brian Hoyer and Stidham did play, and they both struggled tremendously. Um, when you look at the receiving core, it was – Edelman went down. The receiving core essentially became a joke. Um, the best receiver was Jacoby Myers, who literally had more passing touchdowns than receiving touchdowns. Um, you know, Nikhil Harry never stepped up to the expectation of a first-round wide receiver. You know, and think on the defensive side as well. Um, you know – Dante Hightower and Patrick Chung both opted out. And both of these players are core players um, to their defensive uh, play. 
Hightower is definitely one of their core linebackers, so that's why they saw a definite decrease in, like, the quality of their defense this year. Also, think about the players who did play, um, such as, like, Stephen Gilmore. He dealt with COVID and injuries all season. He is their best corner. Um, they might end up shipping him out this offseason. That's something to look, you know, look out for, possibly. But, you know, the Patriots came into the season with the most opt-outs. I think they had eight. And, you know, that played a big factor in why they struggled so much and had a seven to nine season. But even in that bad seven to nine season, you know, they ended up with a, you know, a decent record without so many pieces. You know, now them signing a tight end and tight ends within, you know, Hunter Henry and Smith, you know, that kind of fix the immediate issue at the tight end position because, you know, you know, Virginia Tech's own Dalton Keene was not very, you know, good as a tight end for the Patriots and other, other Patriots tight ends. I really couldn't tell you who they were. Um, with Janu, with Janu Smith, um, you know, he, the good thing about him, is he's a good red zone option. Uh, he had eight uh, rec receiving touchdowns as a tight end, which I think that was more within the Patriots had passing touchdowns all season. Uh, Hunter Henry is a top 10 tight end. So that's obviously going to address that immediately the dude has hands um you know them signing receivers uh nelson aguilar and kendrick Bourne. i wasn't the craziest about both of these signings but now when i think about it with context you know nelson aguilar he revitalized his career with the raiders so he's not a bad receiver anymore he's not the one from philadelphia who couldn't even catch a cold we're talking about a better receiver who can you know actually catch and he's He's capable of being their, their receiver uh, number one because Edelman, to me, is definitely past his prime. So I probably see him as receiver number two if healthy. Kendrick Bourne would be a good receiver number three. He's good with, you know, short routes. He's a good third down option. Uh, you know, on the defensive side, I think Judon definitely strengthens the team's pass watch, which was much needed for the team. Um, they always can use more players to help um, aid their defense because, you know, a lot of it, they kind of put a lot of pressure on their DBs because J.C. Jackson, as, as many interceptions he had, he also did get burnt a lot. So there's a lot of pressures on the secondary. So them getting Judon would definitely be very helpful and helping help strengthen that linebacking core with Dante Hightower back. So I like all these signings so far. The only signing I'm not too sure about was Jalen Mills. He was uh, pretty – he grew a pretty bad reputation of getting burnt a lot. Um, and, you know – I know Eagles fans are probably very uh, aware of that, and they weren't very, very high on Jalen Mills at times. But, you know, we did see Ronald Darby recover from that same issue when after he was a Philadelphia Eagle and when he went to the Washington football team, he played arguably his, arguably his best season, and now he secured the bag with the Broncos. Um, so maybe we can see Jalen Mills also recover like Darby did in a new scenery. So... You know, a lot of these signings, it definitely pushes the needle in the right direction. And, you know, now we'll see what a healthy Cam can do with a healthy, good offense now that he has weapons. Um, I'm not as high as you are. I, I'm going to tentatively say no. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs next year. And this is all I, I like generally the moves they made. I think they overpaid for a lot of their players, which is why they got them so early. They immediately snatched them up because they, they paid them a little bit more than they're worth, uh, especially Matt Judon. But, you know, at the same time, Belichick, you know, he does help revive careers or, 
just bring the best out of a lot of his guys. My question is, which Cam Newton are they going to get? Are they going to get post-COVID Cam Newton or pre-COVID Cam Newton? If they get post-COVID Cam Newton, they probably will barely even hit eight wins at at most, in my opinion. Uh, if they get post-COVID, or, or sorry, pre-COVID Cam Newton, uh, they could go as high as maybe 10 or 11 wins, in my opinion. But I don't, I don't think that makes playoffs in the AFC. It's not, this isn't a slight on the Patriots necessarily. This is because the AFC is just so stacked. I mean, all the playoff teams this year, they all had double digit wins. And like, I believe the, the lowest amount of wins was, was it, I believe it was 12, right? Or was it 11? By the no, it was, I thought it was 10. 10 and six was, was the lowest, I thought. Well, either way, uh, still double digit wins, is, which is very hard to achieve in a season uh, in general in football. And all those teams were very good and all competing within their conferences. Also, you know, the Patriots conference has, it's gotten a lot harder. The Jets are actually making moves for once. Uh, the Bills are, they're doing okay. They just signed Emmanuel Sanders uh, as of earlier today. Uh, and, you know, I, it's harder for the Patriots to win their division. I, I'd say the Bills are probably going to take it. And so they'd have to go for the wild card. But there's a lot of teams gunning for the wild card. There's the Ravens, Steelers, Browns, any of those teams could take up the wild card. And, you know, there's also still the Colts who are being slept on. If the Colts can get Trent Williams somehow, if they can snag him away from the Niners, I mean, Carson Wentz is probably never going to even feel the grass for the entire season. He's, he's probably going to have a single stain on his, on his jersey for the entire season. So there's just so many good teams in the AFC. I don't think the Patriots make it, but I think this is a good step towards it. Uh, something else that also concerns me is just Cam Newton's um, accuracy in general. He's a very good rusher. Uh, in, he's kind of like a little bit of a Lamar Jackson, uh, but he's kind of been less accurate as of late. Um, this is a very strange stat, but did you know the Patriots actually have the third highest average yard of separation for, them, for their wide receiver core from last year? They have the third highest... That. They had the third highest average yard of separation, 3.7, which is right behind the Packers and the Chiefs. And they still couldn't really, you know, Cam couldn't get him the ball like that. Uh, what's funny about that is actually Washington's tied with them at three, uh, with 3.7. Uh, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, I just think that number is really concerning to me. Uh, this all just relies on Cam Newton and how he can bring, how far he can bring this team. And, I don't want to say they don't have a chance, but it's going to be very, very difficult in that stacked AFC. My thing with Cam Newton is Cam Newton is arguably one of the most disrespected players in the NFL right now. People, there's kids saying this man is a bum because he's a free agent, that he's poor. They're saying a lot of random things. And Cam Newton was once an MVP. I think Cam Newton, I'm not saying he will go back to his MVP level, but I think that he's more than capable than bringing a team like this to the playoffs. He is their best quarterback. When people were complaining that, oh, Cam Newton got stuck at the Patriots, he's so bad. Did you not watch Jared Stidham last season? In the, in the moments he played, did you not watch Brian Hoyer against the Chiefs, if I recall correctly? He was atrocious. Just admit, a fact, admit the facts. Cam Newton was the best quarterback for the Patriots in that awful, awful offense they had. I'm saying this. There is hope for them. I can see this because for me, I think the Dolphins overachieved last season. 
as I think they did. Um, I don't know how Tua is going to play as a the full-on starter this season. Um, I'm not the most confident in him. I'm not going to go on the on the hate tirade that everyone's been going on because it seems like a lot of people have been disrespecting Tua as well. Um, but, you know, Cam Newton, I think that he can make it past – I think he can make it past, you know, the Dolphins this season. I think they can – do more. I'm not saying, you know, they're going to be a contender. I think that they can at least, I think they can make it out of the AFC East with, I'm thinking hopefully maybe nine to 10 wins. I'm not going anything higher than 10 wins for the Patriots, but I do see, you know, with all these players opting back in, you know, with all these other receivers are getting, because think about it, they also had a receiver opt out, Marquise Lee. And Marquise Lee wasn't bad when he was with the Jaguars. So I can see with all these weapons, if they don't make the playoffs, it is Cam. Because you have Bill Belichick as your head coach. Josh McDaniels is a good offensive coordinator. You know, Bill Belichick's son's a good defensive coordinator. They have the people. They have the personnel. You know, they have the tools. It's just up to Cam. And I think Cam can do it this season. He's healthy. So we both kind of agree that, you know, at their best, they're probably going to be around the 10 win range. And mm-hmm. so where we kind of disagree is, will 10 wins get you into the playoffs in the AFC? And so I, I'm on the no train. You probably need at least 11. Uh, aren't they extending the, um, the regular season in this upcoming the 17 season? games? Yes. Yep. So it's 10 wins is kind of going to be more like nine now. Uh, so, you know, I still don't think it's going to be enough for them to make it. Uh, their talent is, it's gotten much better. This team has completely changed overnight straight up. Uh, but I mean, like I said, there's just so many good teams in the AFC. I could, I could totally see them like just barely missing out, like just being on the wild card bubble, kind of like the Dolphins were uh, this, this last year. And speaking of the Dolphins, uh, you did bring up that you think two is a little overrated. Didn't you? Uh, I think he's a little disrespected. Okay, okay. But you wouldn't say he's as good as the guy we're about to talk about, would you? Or at least two is better. I think two I think two is I think two is better than this individual. I I, that might be a hot take, but I'm not super fond of what we're gonna talk about next. Well, let's stop beating around the bush. Let's just jump right into Ryan Fitzpatrick. He has signed with the Washington football team. How how far can Ryan Fitzpatrick take this team? You're you're a football team fan, so <laughs> I'm. If there was, if you look at the dictionary and look at the word indifferent, my face would be on there right now. I'm very indifferent about this signing. I've seen a lot of people praise this signing. I've seen a handful of people hate this signing. I don't know how to feel. I don't know which. I don't know if I get Ryan Fitzpatrick or Ryan Fitzmagic. Um, you know, I'm very, uh, I'm not, I'm not in love with the signing. Uh, to me, it took the easy way and the easy route. Um, I guess he was, you know, the best option they had in, uh, in the free agency kind of pool. Um, it's a, obviously it's a very temporary and he is kind of like a traditional, uh, quarterback because he signed a one-year deal for 10 million and can go up to 12 million with 2 million in incentives. Um, you know, with that said, him being paid ten million, you know that means that they're probably going to try to play the whole season, you know, through him, and he's going to probably have to start the whole season because you don't pay a dude one year ten million dollars to sit him on the bench. 
you just don't do that. Ten, $10 million dollars, uh, that's a you know decent amount of money to put out for a, a to bench a quarterback. You know what I'm saying? So this is a slight upgrade over Taylor Heineke and Kyle Allen. Um, but I, I was kind of hoping for a more long-term kind of signing or more long-term kind of, you know, move for them at quarterback. Cause you know, I know I'm not the biggest fan of this individual, but I would have been, I wouldn't have, wouldn't have been too mad if they traded for Sam Donald, if they trade away maybe second or third round pick for uh, Sam Darnold, I would be, I would have been okay with that. You know, he's a young quarterback. He's a lot of upside. You know, we, we don't know how he'll really play. He played under a bad coach in Adam Gase. You know, he's he kind he's kind of athletic, not too much. I'm not gonna say he's out here gonna be juking people out, but you know, he can he can make some moves. He can run the ball if necessary. Um, but I them getting Ryan Fitzpatrick to me. Some people have said it's seen as a win now kind of move. I you know. When you look at the stats that the Washington football team is a whole pass for, it was 3,631 passing yards, 15 passing touchdowns, and 16 interceptions. That's uh, the combined stats between Kyle Allen, um, Taylor Heineke. uh, I think it was also uh, Dwayne Haskins and Alex Smith. So, you know, the combined stats together, it was not very impressive. We've seen, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick Patrick have better seasons than that as a whole. Um, there was also another stat I found, you know, against the Cowboys, Giants, and Eagles in 2019. He put up 673 yards passing, five touchdowns, one interception on 63% completion, and he had 104 uh, passer rating. But that, that looks not nice on paper, when, but put in context, he went one and two in those games with the only win being against the Eagles. In um, a Dallas loss, that um, he didn't really play that many snaps. He only completed two passes. Uh, he only attempted two passes as well. But you know, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan. I, I don't know what impact he'll have. You know, you, like I said, you just don't know what you'll get from him because you know sometimes he'll go on a winning, you know, winning streak and he looks so good. Like when he was a Buccaneers quarterback for a little bit, you know the first few games he you know he was cooking he had back-to-back 400 passing yard games and won but then they started losing and then they're like oh well obviously Jameis Winston's our quarterback once he started losing I don't we don't have that option to fall back on like oh hey Taylor Heineke's our guy like I don't want that to be our fallback option and I don't I don't want it to come to that but with Fitzpatrick I don't know if I don't know because that that is an option if he starts playing bad. So I uh, I'm mm. look. Ryan Fitzpatrick is gonna lead the Washington football team to the playoffs and a divisional win. Mark my words, my guy. Yo, I know it, he's kind of he's kind of been up and down his whole career, but last year was actually fantastic for his career in general. He had a second highest uh, passer rating ever last year of his career. And let's be real. Like when you watch the games, Ryan Fitzpatrick was the one that gave them the best opportunity to win most of the time. Usually when they won, if you just kind of look at, okay, the games two has started, 
did they win or not? If you just kind of look at it, you know, on the on the surface, you'll see that Tua kind of started a lot of games that they won, but he didn't finish all of them. And in fact, he didn't even play that well in all of them. A lot of them, the defense kind of carried them to a win and Tua was just kind of doing dump offs. Ryan Fitzpatrick, with these, with, with this Washington team, he will lead y'all to the playoffs. I guarantee it is a guarantee that I, I love this signing. He's a fantastic dude. He graduated from Harvard. All right. <laughs> he's from, he's a, he's, he's an intelligent dude. Uh, and he's just a good, he's a good guy in general. And especially if you guys could, if a quarterback maybe falls to, I believe, what pick do you guys have? The, is it the 19th? The 19th. Mm-hmm. If, if a quarterback falls to the 19th, maybe if you snag him up, he could be a very good mentor or even just to Taylor Heineke, he could be a very good mentor. Uh, he's just, look, he's, he's a guy who's not going to cause any problems in the locker room. He's a fantastic dude and he's going to hit your open players. He's going to hit your open players. Devonte Parker had his best games when Ryan Fitzpatrick was playing. I had Devonte Parker in my fantasy game, in my fantasy team. And every single time they had two starting, I took him out of the lineup because I knew he wasn't going to get his points. He wasn't going to get targeted as much. He wasn't going to get uh, get those deep shots he likes to get sometimes. And he wasn't going to get touchdowns. And you know what? That's exactly what happened. Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, you'll notice that when they, when they kind of realized the game was close and they wanted to win the game, the Dolphins would sub out. Tua and they put in Ryan Fitzpatrick because he gave them the best shot and everybody you know everyone's familiar with that famous like literally no look pass where he got hit in the face and threw the pass to win the game basically (laughs) this man is a legend he's a walking legend coming off one of the best years of his career look he's gonna lead y'all to the playoffs you can mark it down right here I promise you he will lead y'all to the playoffs yeah, this legend. Let me let me tell you this legend's overall quarterback <laughs> record. It's 59, 86, and one. All okay. right. If he's tell me, tell me the teams he's played on. He's played on a lot of bad teams. He has played on a lot of bad teams, but he's also played on teams that had potential to be good, but he was bad. He sold. When he got a lot of money, he sold a lot. Um, you know, I'm I just for me, how I see this, he'll bring the team to seven and nine again, or eight and eight. Uh, or if you uh, put in the context of next season when they have uh, 17 games, eight and nine and nine and eight, you know, I don't see him. I just look, don't. Look, look. You're underrating your own team at this point because your defense is so good. All you need from your offense is just maybe one or two touchdowns a game. That's it. Like, that's all you guys need because your defense can just carry the load for most of the game. Uh, and Haskins wasn't really giving you that. Kyle Allen wasn't really giving you that. Heineke kind of gave you that in the playoffs, but can he keep it up for a whole season? I don't know. I, that's that's to be seen. But Ryan Fitzpatrick will give you that. He'll probably turn the ball over sometimes, sure. But in that same vein, the defense is so good that it can make up for it. The defense was very good in Miami and they still won a lot of those games where he had a bunch of turnovers. And so in, the, in that same vein, I'm thinking that, you know, it's okay if he gets a couple interceptions here and there, at least he's taking deep shots. A lot of your quarterbacks last year didn't take any type of deep shots and it really hurt uh, Terry McLaurin's numbers. Uh, and I believe it also hurt Cam Sims numbers. 
just in general, Heineke was kind of that first dude to start taking deep shots, and it was in the playoffs. And you guys almost beat the team that went on to win the Super Bowl. You guys almost stopped Tom Brady in the first round of the playoffs because a quarterback of yours finally threw it deep. Your quarterbacks have been too have been dumping the ball off way too much, dumping more than like a dumpster, <laughs> like a dumpster into a, into a waste bin, like straight up like you guys need someone to take deep shots, need someone to take risks and just go for it. Uh, you, a lot of quarterbacks have just been playing too safe. That's not you. You can you can win games by playing it safe, but you can't play winning football by just playing it safe the entire time. Uh, even Tom Brady takes risks. Even he throws it deep, and he's known for taking a lot of those short passes and, and like killing you like death by a thousand cuts. He's known for that, and even he takes deep shots. So I mean, just the fact that y'all you guys need someone to do that, need someone to just energize the offense and feel like they have a chance, even if he throws a couple picks here and there. So what? Let it be. He'll still throw the, he'll still possibly throw a game winning touchdown in the very end. You want him as the quarterback in the very final minutes to lead your team down the field, as opposed to someone like a Kyle Allen, who's just going to make a couple of dump off passes. If you have like 10 seconds left and you need someone to hit a, you need a touchdown. I much rather rely on Ryan Fitzpatrick than even Taylor Heineke or Kyle Allen or Dwayne Hassens, who's already off the team. He's long gone, whatever. But he's, he's just a much better option for that. And genuinely, I'm going to guess you guys are going to win somewhere between eight to ten games straight up. That's my prediction right there. It's a, it's a bold one, but I'm taking it. You can, Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to change your team, man. My, my issue is, okay, there's something I want to clarify. The reason why we didn't throw deep balls is because our offensive coordinator, offensive, offensive coordinator Scott Turner, does. I don't think he – has it in his playbook to open it up like that. Like when he did with Taylor Heideke is because he opened up the playbook and they've kind of catered more to his play style. It's it's because he, it's because Heineke could throw those. He knew like they kind of had to also to win that game, but he also knew Heineke had the ability to throw it deep. Well, but Kyle the Allen is, doesn't really, he can't really throw it deep accurately. No, he can't. Wayne Haskins can't either. And Alex Smith, I love him to death, but he, he's not a great deep ball thrower either. Haskins can throw deep. He just couldn't throw accurate. And that was his thing. He he didn't have a good work ethic to even work on it as well. But it's just like Ryan Fitzpatrick, it's everything that Ron Rivera kept saying, we want a winning culture. We want, we want, you know, I'm looking for a more mobile quarterback. This is the opposite of everything he said. He has a quarterback with a losing record. He has a quarterback who can barely – he's not that good of a runner. Okay, yeah, in 2019, he led the Dolphins in rushing yards, but they had, like, what, less than, like, 500 rushing yards. Their best run, rusher had five, less than 500, and that was him. The team had no running back, no good running back that season. So, okay, I can see, like, maybe trying to say, like, oh, you know, he's so good, he's clutch. He's so clutch. Why is he on his ninth team, bro? He keeps getting moved around because I'm he saying cannot he do the job. He has the ability to be clutch, and that's much more that, that that anybody else on your team has right now. He's the only one who I would trust on your quarterback in terms of your quarterback trio that you got right now. He's the only one I would trust in the last seconds of the game to throw a touchdown. He has capability, but not the ability. The ability is consistency. He it's is coming. consistently he is consistently inconsistent. 
And that is my thing with him. That's my concern with him. But I'll say this, this signing for me is mainly contingent on how they fill certain positions. If they can fill up the cornerback, linebacker, and the wide receiver position during the offseason, you know, via draft, via trade, via free agency, then I'll be more okay with this, you know? Because um, they did lose, like I said, they did lose Ronald Darby to the Broncos, and I think they let a linebacker, Kevin Pierre-Lewis, go to the Texans, if I recall correctly. So they need to strengthen their strengths. They have to build up on the defense just in case the offense doesn't do it this year. You know, they have to get another linebacker. That's a that's a must. That's an absolute must. And they need another corner on the other side of Kendall Fuller. That's an absolute must. <laughs> now, with Ryan Fitzpatrick signed, maybe this kind of takes pressure off them to draft the quarterback first round. You know, because um, there's obviously talking about Mac Jones, talking about Trey Lance. I think the uh, GM and all those guys went to Trey Lance's pro day actually this past few weeks. Um, how I'm looking at it, I'm thinking Patrick Sertain, the second from Alabama, the cornerback, he'll be really good uh, person to draft. Uh, also, the linebacker Jeremiah Owusu Koromua, like I think he'll be pretty good from. Um, he's also he's from Notre Dame. He's a linebacker. I think he'll be really good. I think those are two kind of picks they can kind of do now and have like more certainty because. That is one thing with Ryan Fitzpatrick. He is bringing stability to the quarterback position, unlike last season when we seen three to four quarterbacks switch in and out. It was ridiculous at, at certain points, but that's because due to injury and then Dwayne Haskins just not playing well. Taylor Heineke played like a, the fourth quarter in the Panthers game. Like, you know, this does bring stability. I'll say that. That is one thing I can certainly say. That he, he Ryan Fitzpatrick stays fairly healthy. So this brings st stability to him, you know, knock on wood. Hopefully he's going to stay healthy this season too. It, it also brings energy, bro. You guys have so many underutilized and underrated weapons on your offense. Antonio Gibson's actually really good. Logan mm -hmm. Thomas, is, he's, he's going to enter, I believe his second year, right? Or is this his third? Sec his second year is a Washington football year. player. Yeah. You know, tight ends always pop off in their second year. Their first year, they're trying to get adjusted physically. The second year, so Logan Thomas is going to come in at the tight end position, be very solid. Terry McLaurin, we know Terry McLaurin. He's fantastic. Cam Sims is a little bit underrated. If you guys slide in another wide receiver, I think if you give Ryan Fitzpatrick all these weapons, hey, man, this is one of the first times in his career he's had this many weapons. And we'll see what he can do. I, I honestly, I don't care if he throws – 10 interceptions and only like 20 touchdowns because you know what Gibson's good enough to get you I'd say maybe like 10 touchdowns if they utilize him properly 10 touchdowns in the season you know Gibson's good enough he can he can also catch the ball really well so Ryan Fitzpatrick he's in a playhouse right now with all these weapons that have been underutilized that nobody else has touched that he can just come in there he can help mold this offense into its fullest potential. Of course, I'm not saying he doesn't throw any type of interceptions. He will. Sometimes he'll, he'll maybe even throw you out of games if he's on a particularly bad day. But the peaks with Ryan Fitzpatrick are higher than any of the peaks that you could have gotten from any of these other quarterbacks. And genuinely, you know, a lot of games last year, you guys straight up lost just because you could not score. That's yeah. not a concern with Ryan Fitzpatrick. He can lead you to a score. The concern is, will he turn it over while he does it? 
and with all these weapons and with the stat I brought up earlier with Washington is, is tied for having the highest average yards of separation from their, from their receivers. Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be thrown to a lot of open dudes. If that stat keeps up, if it holds up. And so his turnovers are going to go down in my opinion, or at least they're not going to look as bad as his previous years have. Look, I'm making another prediction right here. I think this is going to be his best, his best year in terms of passer rating in his entire career. I think it's coming here. Ryan Fitzpatrick is taking y'all to the promised land, not the Super Bowl, but he'll take yeah. you to the playoffs and he'll at least get your guys some more experience in there and he'll make you feel like you have a chance. This is hope, man. Ryan Fitzpatrick is a ray of hope on this franchise right now at quarterback because y'all have like no other plan for the most part. Listen, like I said, this signing is contingent on what they do in the offseason. Now, you're talking about the wide receiver position. That is still, besides McLaren, that's probably our probably our, probably our weakest position on offense. Um, either that or offensive line. Offensive line has been doing better, but the receiver position is pretty weak. I think we need a receiver, uh, wide receiver too. If we can get Curtis Samuel from the you know free agency, that would be kind of nice. If they draft the receiver, you know, I think, you know, getting, signing Ryan Fitzpatrick, Ryan Fitzpatrick does make them more open to signing other pieces to put around them. I'm thinking, you know, I don't think he's going to be here in the draft, but I think he's picked, but Jalen Waddle from Alabama, he's really good. Kadarius uh, Tony from Florida, he's also pretty solid. My favorite of the three would be Rashad Bateman, because I feel like it's the most realistic one. He's one, uh, the receiver from Minnesota, you know, or, you know, they can, I just don't know. Like, like they have options now. And I think that, you know what, with him signed, I think they could probably draft a, a quarterback late in the, one of the later rounds and try to develop them. You know, people have been throwing that out the book because, like, all the quarterbacks that are, like, really, really good are in the first round. But, like, you know, let's, let's get a recency bias. Um, you know, Kyle Trask was, was, was a pretty good quarterback. He was in the Heisman running. And then he had an awful SEC championship performance. But, you know, in his defense, a lot of his dudes opted out the game so they can, you know, worry about the draft or just stay healthy for the next, you know, next year and all that stuff. So it's like, okay, he looked bad because he's not playing with the pieces he's supposed to. And he played against Alabama, which is the best team in the country. So him looking bad is like, okay, like I can understand that. With context, I can understand that. I wouldn't mind if we wasted a second or a third round pick on a quarterback like Kyle Trask. Now, all the other quarterbacks, like Kellen Mond from Texas A&M, I don't know if I would draft him later on. He's, eh. but like Kyle Trask would be, I'll be okay with that. I think if we can get some young talent besides Heineke and Kyle Allen, I think Kyle Allen is going to be gone after this season. If we can keep another young quarterback on the roster, I'll be fine with it. I think if he, if Ryan Kostachek is here to stay here for one year, mentor the young guys, try to get them up, and to make him play better when for when he's gone next season because he's on a one-year deal. Um, but I'm okay with that role of his, but I don't like this narrative that he's going to bring my team to the promised land because you're gonna get my hopes up. You're getting you're giving him expectations, and when expectations are laid out for this man, he does not show up. And that's the issue. He does with expectations. We, we don't expect anything from him. That's when Fitz magic happens. You know what I'm saying? That's when all that great stuff happens. But once we like, oh, you know, he's playing well. Let's give him expectations. He just 
crumbles. He falls apart. And oh. that's why I am not, I'm not sold on this pick. I'm not sold on this signing. I'm, I'm, I'm holding back. I'm indifferent. I'm indifferent. Everything they do from here on out will make me feel a certain way about the signing. But as of right now, I'm fairly indifferent. Look, I want to bring up two things. For one, you are severely underrating your team. Uh, and two, uh, let's be real. You guys should be trying to compete for as long as Chase Young is on his rookie contract. Because as long, because once he's one, once that's done, he's gonna be like one of the highest paid uh, edges in the league, defensive edge. Uh, sorry, DEs in the league, and that's going to eat up a lot of your cap and eat up a lot of your team. So you guys need to be competing. You know, I'd say start competing right now. Like you guys do have young pieces you can build around, sure, but those young pieces will get paid eventually. Look what's happening to the Cowboys. They waited so long to really buy into fully competing. And then they paid Zeke. And then they paid Amari Cooper. And now they paid Dak. And now they have no money to pay anybody else. And they're probably not going to look super great unless Dak carries them like he did last year. Look, Ryan Fitzpatrick, I'm also going to say this. He's going to get an extension, a one-year extension at the end of the year. I guarantee it. He was, he's going he's gonna to perform very good with all these weapons. And I think you're underrating how good your defense is because your offense was downright horrendous last year. It, it hurt me physically to watch your guys' games. The only solace I got out of it was that Antonio Gibson was on my fantasy team. And anytime he caught the ball or got a run, I was like, yes, finally. That's the only enjoyment I had watching your guys' offense. No offense. But Ryan Fitzpatrick will bring electricity to this offense. He'll bring energy. And that's something you guys don't have and haven't had. Uh, you know, since Taylor Heineke, Taylor Heineke was another guy who brought energy. And you saw what that offense can do when they have a little bit of energy. They can actually be somewhat good. And they, they, you, guys took, you guys took the Super Bowl winning team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You guys took that game close down to the fourth quarter. You guys had a chance to win that game. Like, you, I think you are severely underrating how your team is and how you guys have been playing. Uh, and I think the offensive line will get better. I think that's also a reps thing. I think they need more reps together. Uh, obviously, you know, losing Trent Williams was kind of a big, you know, when you lose one big guy on the offensive line, that kind of really affects everybody else. You kind of have to plug and play certain guys in. Kind of the same thing kind of happened with the Ravens this past offseason. Not too concerned about your offensive line. It would do you nice to get to maybe grab somebody in the draft. Uh, but, you know, I think it'll be serviceable enough. All I'm saying is that Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to have a career year and he's going to lead you all the playoffs. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I'm not underrating our defense. This is my thing. Our defense is our defensive line is elite. All right. That's top. That's top five in the NFL. Our linebacking core. It can use some work, but it's, it's, it's okay. Our secondary questionable. It's like the further you go back at our defense, the weaker it gets. It got exposed in the Buccaneers game, you know? You know, Ronald Darby looked like burnt toast. He looked like the Eagles Ronald Darby, I remember. You know, uh, Jimmy Moreland let up some touchdowns also in the, in the Buccaneers game. It's like, this is my concern. Like, if they can, like I said, if they can move in pieces with a linebacker position and cornerback position, 
I'll feel more confident about Ryan Fitzpatrick because at least I like know, you know, dang, if he doesn't do well in offense, at least I know my defense can do well. Maybe they can create some, you know, some momentum so the offense can roll off that. And I'll give you this. He rolls off momentum very well. He's one of those people. He's an energy player. I like him. I, I like him in that sense. But to put my hopes, my expectations into him, knowing the, the history of this player, I can't do that just yet. I got to see what they're going to do to put more weapons around him on the offense and what they're going to do to put more weapons on defense to make sure, you know, they can do damage control. Whatever they can do on the three positions I said, wide receiver, linebacker, a cornerback, then we'll see. Then we'll start talking. Look, look, all I'm saying is that I guarantee you Logan Thomas is going to break out because of Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, Terry McLaurin is going to have the best year of his career because of Ryan Fitzpatrick. You guys finally have a quarterback who likes to pass. So, and you guys have actually decent receivers. So I'm just saying, like, I really don't think it's as bad as you're making it out to be. I don't think it's going to be, obviously I'm not a fan. So I'm just looking for like the most enjoyable game possible. And so I, I will say, I will definitely tune in to a lot more football team games this year than I did last year. I definitely will because of Ryan Fitz magic. This is the last thing I'll say on this matter. I'll say this. You believe in his passing ability. Let's just hope offensive coordinator Scott Turner believes in his passing ability as much as you do. Because if that's the case, then we'll see him air the ball a lot more, which the team can do. The team has capable deep threats. They just haven't utilized them to the fullest. So if he if he wants to air out the ball, I'm for it. I'm for it. I, on that note, we'll I, see. I agree with you there. A lot of it does depend on the offensive coordinator. Uh, but, you know. They'll, they'll find a way to make it work, man. <laughs> they'll find a way to let's just find hope. A way to make you eat your crow, man. Ryan Fitzpatrick will demolish <laughs> you. All right. All right. But let's we, we spent a lot of time on this. Let's jump to the other um other things we have on the show today. Uh so this is a little bit of old news, but we do want to cover it because it has implications for the future of this team. Aaron Jones signed a four-year, $48 million deal with the Green Bay Packers. Now, the, the guarantee is only about $9.5 million a year, uh, but incentives can take him up to 12. I don't know what those incentives are necessarily, uh, but that's, kind of, that's what's been reported so far. Was this signing a mistake? You know, everyone's been very down about running backs and big contracts due to people like Zeke, Ty Gurley, Le'Veon Bell, and David Johnson. But I think I'm okay with this. Um, you know, let's think about the flip side. Like Chris McCaffrey went healthy. Uh, Alvin Kamara, uh, Derek Henry, they're playing on fairly decent-sized contracts and playing well. Um, you know, he, I think he's currently tied for the sixth highest running, sixth highest paid running back next to Joe Mixon, who I think shouldn't even be in that conversation of highly paid running backs, in my opinion. I like Joe Mixon, but maybe the Bengals as a whole is a little rough. Uh, but I think you know Aaron Jones is probably the fourth most important piece of piece on that offense. Um, you know, behind Aaron Rodgers, 
Devontae Adam and David Booker Bakari. Um, but, you know, he's effective. He can kind of do it all. He's kind of their balanced running back. He can run. He can catch the ball. You know, um, he was the – this past season, he was the fourth uh, in rushing yards for rushing yards uh, for the season, and he only played 14 games. He was tied for first for 40-plus yard runs. With um, I think he had four on the season, and he was tied with Derrick Henry. There was another stat I saw that since 2019, Jones has had 30 scrimmage touchdowns. Only Derrick Henry, who has 35, had more. So he's earned his money. Like his his rushing yards have improved every single season as well. You know, um, this to me is like having him back. It helps keep them as contenders. I think them jumping over to Dylan would be kind of concerning. Um, you know, he Dylan's not a bad running back, but he's no Aaron Jones. He's the power back. Um, Aaron Jones is the balance back. But my thing is, I was concerned with the fact that they are going to have to let go of Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams was more of their screen back. It's, you know, running back by committee has been kind of the new NFL we've seen. Uh, we've seen a lot of that happen with a lot of teams. You know, like I said, Aaron Jones was a balance back. Williams would be the screen back. And Dylan was the power back. But now without their screen back, it does kind of hurt um, the team unless Aaron Jones is willing to pick up all those passes uh, and catch them all, which can be also another concern. He been, has been fairly healthy for our running back. Let's just hope he can stay healthy with his big contract weighing over his head. I, I'm fine with this. I'm okay with this. It's not the worst contract. We've seen bigger contracts. We've seen worse contracts. I think Zeke arguably has one of the worst contracts in the NFL right now, uh, especially as a running back. But, you know, you know, four years, $48 million, it, it, it could have been worse. That's all I'll say. I'll agree that it could have been worse. Uh, I think this was a mistake, straight up. Uh, those, three, those three running backs you mentioned, they're like the game-changer running backs. Uh, who were they again? Alvin Kamara, Derrick Henry, and Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, those are ones I think are playing on a good contract. So like the ones they are worth their contract. They're worth their. They're worth their massive mm-hmm. deals. Okay. Uh, how many of them have rings? <laughs> Don't use this against They're, me. Look, no Don't use it against me. Running backs are great for in the regular season. They will bring you a lot of wins in the regular season, but. You know, running backs bring wins, not rings, in today's NFL. Let's be real. Today's NFL, it's the quarterbacks that bring you rings and wins as well. But, you know, I think a lot of this, I just think that 9.5 mil a year, that's guaranteed. They could have spent that on maybe grabbing another offensive lineman for depth, grabbing some dudes for their secondary, for their pass rush just to, to stop the run. They could, they could have used this money in a much better way. Aaron Jones is not a pressing need. He's not a pressing concern for their offense, in my opinion. Uh, when you look at, you know, just most running backs in general, a lot of them kind of are replacement level. You could just kind of draft a running back and you'd be okay. I, I really question why they drafted AJ Dillon in the first place. If in the second round, if he's just going to be a backup for his entire career, at least that's what it kind of seems like, or until they have to pay him, uh, which they're going to have to pay him as well eventually, or let him go. And then that's just going to be kind of a waste. You know, 
I don't want them to waste the AJ Dillon pick. I say screw it, just make him the make him the lead back. You drafted him second in the second round when you could have drafted any other of your needs. You know they have some holes they need to fill that they didn't fill, uh, and this is this is taking up a good bit of money. Now Aaron Jones is a very good running back. I'd say he's probably around top five to maybe top seven running back in the league right now. But let's be real, you know, paying running backs had this does not work out in today's NFL paying running backs just does not work out. Now you're right. This could have been way worse. This could have been a massive deal, like along the lines of Kamara or somebody like Zeke, this could have been way, way, way worse. I'm not saying it's going to make or break the Packers, but this is just kind of a sign of, you know, the management doesn't, they don't seem like they're on the same page. Why would you draft a, a running back in the second round just for him to be a backup? Look at James Robinson. He was undrafted, became the starter and kind of dominated in his rookie season. He's, he was undrafted. You didn't even need to spend draft capital to get a, a you don't even need to really spend much draft capital to get an effective running back. So why would they drop a whole second rounder when their team had so many more needs, including wide receiver? They could always use more wide receiver depth. Why would they spend it on A.J. Dillon if they're just going to pay Aaron Jones? If, if they didn't draft A.J. Dillon, I wouldn't have been this, you know, I wouldn't care as much about this. But the fact that they wasted that second round pick on a backup when they, could, when they had a lot of other holes to fill, and then now they pay Aaron Jones – you know, for to a four-year deal, which is going to be obviously well beyond a year after um, AJ Dillon's deal is up. So it's 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 just confusing. I feel like the 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 free agency part of the management isn't lining up with the drafting part of the management. I don't understand what's going really going on. Uh, I'm just I'm concerned about this Packers team, man. I don't think this makes them any more of a contender or any less of a contender. I mean. When you get down in big games, uh, especially if you get down in playoffs, you're not going to be running the ball. So, you know, in that sense, running backs can only really do so much. They're only really uh, as effective in the playoffs when you are tied or when you are up. That's when a good running back kind of earns his earns his money in the playoffs. Uh, but when you're down, you know, they they can't be running with Aaron Jones every every other possession if they're down in the playoffs. That's just not going to – and considering how their defense has been playing – they're probably going to be down in the playoffs at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just think this was a misallocation of their limited uh, budget. And I know they are, they are trying to work to free up some space, but, you know, I just don't think that this is a very, a very good deal for the Packers. I mean, I agree. They definitely could have put some money more to, um, you know, the linebacker position, their edge position, definitely anybody in the secondary um, but you know, you gotta think of it like with Aaron Jones there, he makes, he keeps that offense elite. He keeps that offense. I want to say, I wouldn't say afloat, but he, he helps keep the pace of the offense. Now, obviously Aaron Rodgers is the main, the main guy. And obviously, uh, you know, Devontae Adams is just almost as important. And obviously the offensive tackle, Macari is obviously very important, but Aaron Jones, he brings that extra dimension he keeps that team three-dimensional they can kill you by the pass and then you have Aaron Jones who can kill you by the run and I feel like he's played a very very big part in 
why they've been so successful. Because a lot of years uh, for when Aaron Rodgers was, you know, in Green Bay, he never really had a legitimate running back. And that also hurt them because they, sometimes they became very, you know, two one, one dimensional at times. And, you know, if they become one dimensional again this late in his career, they won't even see the NFC championship at this point. So I think this was this is a good signing to help, like I said, keep them afloat, help keep them contenders. Yes, they could have put their money to more important things, but also they can they still have a chance to draft decently. Now their front office when it comes to drafting, that's the people you have to keep your eye on because they're the ones who don't know what they're doing. Um, you know, I saw there was this comment on um I was looking at one of those Aaron Jones posts uh, talking about his signing and the comment was said they had a chance to draft uh, Patrick Queen and Jeremy Chen, but instead they drafted Jordan Love and AJ Dillon. And I think that just goes to the front office not doing their job properly. The front office is not on the same page as Aaron Rodgers. The front office is on the same page as what the offense needs. They're, no, they're not seeing eye to eye. They're not understanding what they need to do. Aaron Jones is a pivotal piece. This this is a good, you know, a decent signing. Now, I don't want more running backs to get paid this money. I'm not saying this should, you know, reset the market to, oh, let's start paying, you know, our running backs a lot of money. But I feel like if there's a running back that does deserve this kind of money, who's earned this money, quite frankly, I would say. I wouldn't even say deserve. He's earned this money, in my opinion. It's Aaron Jones. So, you know, I can see why you're indifferent. I do agree that they could have spent it in other things, but this is a good signing to make sure they can keep what's already good about their team, you know, afloat. And now they let go Aaron Jones. I don't know how good they would have. I don't know if that would have been a great offense uh, coming into the next season. This still keeps them as the great offense. And it's like, oh, we know what this team can do with Aaron Jones, Adams, Rodgers. Let's keep it that way. What they need to do is just figure out what they can do, you know, defensively. If they can draft or find ways to trade people and trade pieces in the draft or just draft properly, uh, that would be very ideal. But like I said, with the front office, uh, yeah, you know, Best of luck. Best of luck to Packers fans. Look, I just uh, first I just want to say that Aaron Jones deserves this money and actually probably more. He's probably earned that much money. Genuinely, he, he you're right. He is a very important uh part of their run game. He, you know, he really cares their running game. But just speaking a lot like logistically from you know a realistic perspective on front offices on how to win, on how to build a winning culture. I genuinely think AJ Dillon could have brought a lot to the table this year if they just made if they believed in him and just made him the starter at running back um i'm a believer in aj Dillon. i think he's i think he could be he could kind of be the next aaron jones funny enough uh but at the same time it's i'm not sure if we're ever going to see that opportunity because aaron jones just got this deal and i just feel i feel bad for aj Dillon and i feel bad for packers fans because like i said i wouldn't be as upset about this if they hadn't drafted aj Dillon. Why would you draft a running back in the second round if you're not going to start him eventually? That's just a complete waste of a pick. Uh, and A.J. Dillon deserves better than that as well. I, I do believe he can be a very effective starting running back in this league one day. 
Well, my thing is this. It could um, be as soon as next season. That's, that's what I think. I was going to quickly interject that, you know, yeah, I mean, my thing I would say is he's going to be the second string running back now that Jamal Williams is gone. Um, I think what Dylan had to do, he'll have to do better as, uh, you know, catching the ball out of the backfield. I feel like both those two kind of pick up the slack that Williams did because um, Williams was more, like I said, was more of their screen back. Um, if he could add that dimension to his game, I think Dylan could definitely become a solid running back in the NFL. Um, he'll probably get his chance to shine elsewhere, I'm assuming, in down the line, uh, especially with this big deal just signed to Aaron Jones. But this – I'm not trying to defend the pick of choosing a running back in the second round, but this is a good – like, he's a good – depth he's good depth like with Williams gone they're still not going to be in too much trouble um you know offensively I just think that you know they could have done a better job drafting uh and could have done a better job in general with their off seasons and how they spend their money and all that stuff because the front office is the team is are the people hurting this team the most it's not the coaching it's not the personnel it's the people who are trying to put the personnel and put all this together. They're not doing a good job, you know, making this make sense. Aaron, Aaron Jones, Aaron Rodgers, you know, Devonte Adams. I think the whole team, this talent has, this team has the talent to win rings. It's the front office is not pushing the envelope. Their mindset is not about winning. I'm, I'm, I'm convinced their mindset is not about winning. I don't know what their mindset is on, to be honest, at this point. But I'm not going to put fault by Aaron Jones. He has no control over who they draft. I'm not going to put any fault on, you know, him at all. It's just all down to the, you know, the front office. And for them, signing Aaron Jones, that was a priority. I'll say that was a priority this season, offseason. And I think he did a good job prioritizing that. Um, hopefully, they can find some way to reconstruct some more contracts. You were talking about how they were reconstructing. I think they were reconstructing uh, Preston Smiths and a couple others. So hopefully, they can do that and you know furthermore because I know they're not in the best cap space. But you know, Aaron Jones, he, he did what he had to do to get his to get his bag. So, you know, let's just hope that he continues and let's just hope he can add to the passing game and add to this team and just, you know, push his team past the NFC championship and into the Super Bowl. Yeah, I wish nothing but the best for Aaron Jones. He 100 percent he's earned his money. Uh, I, you know, I, I have nothing bad to say at all about Aaron Jones, uh, but, you know, it does feel like you're right. The, the Packers front office is just not. They're not on the same page. I feel like they don't have a plan for what they're going to do for how they can build a winning culture. They're just kind of taking it like one move at a time, which isn't really the way to go. Um, it just feels like they're run by a Madden AI. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, my, yeah, my but, biggest thing with them is they, 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 they struck gold with Aaron Rodgers way back when. They, can, they think they can do it again with Jordan Love, but I just, I just think they're tripping this time. They, Correct me if I'm wrong. Haven't they like busted on most of their first round picks? They're not the strongest with their first round picks. They usually most they make most of their their best talent out of the first round. That's what I'm saying. I, I feel like I just feel like a lot of their players or a lot of the people they've drafted like 
especially in the first round. The first round is where you kind of should be hitting. That, that, that's the place you need to hit the most because those are the places that have potential future stars uh, in the league. Most, at least, like, has the highest chance. Uh, that's the expectation. Yes. And the fact that they just missed out on so many first-round picks, a lot of them are out of the league now completely. It's, it just kind of shows that, like, you know, they need a change in that front office in some way. They need somebody to come in there with a plan and say, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to win. Uh, and it all kind of starts with this. I remember there's a lot of speculation by Aaron Jones just straight up not coming back to the Packers. And this kind of caught me off guard and it caught one of my Packers friends off guard as well. Uh, just because everyone kind of assumed like, yeah, they're probably not going to pay him. Like he's probably gone. That's kind of what winning franchises do. They cycle through their running backs, but then they paid him. And everyone was like, yo, like, I don't know about this. And then when they saw, when they saw the 12 mil, 12 million dollars a year, they're like, yo, I really don't know about this. So <laughs> I, we'll see we'll see in this season in, the, in these upcoming seasons how it ends up but uh let's jump to something really quick just want just kind of want to cover it uh should the chiefs be concerned about their offensive line because they did cut their starting tackles eric fisher and mitchell schwartz uh and they did sign joe thuny but he's an interior lineman so they're gonna have to kick somebody out to tackle and I'm really, I am a little concerned about, you know, what might end up there. Now, if they obviously spend draft capital on offensive linemen, which I am pretty sure they will, I'd say it's a very good bet you will see a, a tackle being drafted by the, by the Chiefs in the first round. Uh, it's not as bad of a move, but at the same time, like, you know, in that Super Bowl, that line was just horrible. And it was not because of Eric Fisher or Mitchell Schwartz. <laughs> so, you know, the fact that they cut those guys and then also just signed another guard, it's like, okay, like you you kind of took you, you took one step back and then one step forward. Like you didn't really improve that much. Or it's more like two steps back and one step forward because you kind of just cut two really good linemen, even though they are getting up there in age they're still very effective linemen. And then you kind of signed a guy who was also very, he's a very good guard, uh, I believe. And he, you know, he's very, he's, he's very good. Joe Thune was one of the, he's one of the top prospects on the offensive line this year in terms of free agency, but you know, it's just, they need a tackle. <laughs> they, they really need a tackle because he's not a tackle. Yeah. My thing is with the, this I wouldn't be too concerned. I did a little more research at first. When I heard about it, I was like, "This is crazy." I saw the stat saying that with Mahomes with Eric Fisher, he was forty. His record was forty and six without Eric Fisher, he was four and four. Um, that's very significant, but it's also a small dose of without Eric Fisher. So it's kind of hard to say. It's not like he played like twenty games without him and then like twenty games with him. Um, but also other context with it because. You know, context is always needed in sports. Um, you know, Fisher's coming off a ruptured Achilles. He ruptured Achilles actually in the AFC Championship against the Bills. And I think Schwartz had back surgery in the offseason, early in the offseason. So, and they're already, like you said, they're both aging. Schwartz is 31 going on to 32. And Fisher's already 30. Thune, the guard they signed, is 28. So they did, you know, go younger. I think that's their main priority is going younger, um, you know, Looking at their cap situation, I think prior to the cuts, they said they were actually 21 million over cap space in the new league. And, you know, cutting those two saved them 18 mil. Uh, you know, cutting two 
15 guards. It, it, it seems crazy on paper, but thinking about the direction it seems like they're trying to go, I think that it's, you know, drafting and going younger now while they're still out in the chance to win, it could work out in their favor. Now, uh, another thing they had to do also was reconstruct some of Patrick Mahomes' uh, contract to help, you know, bring in, obviously, Thune, who cost him a lot of money uh, for future years. Uh, I think Mahomes' contract is something that should be of concern down the line because they're going to probably have to, like, reconstructing it every single year to to keep people around because this is such a talented team. If they start – if they – fall out of the championship picture, people are going to want their money to stay. Uh, Everyone's taking kind of that championship, that Super Bowl discount. You know, when you're when you're just a playoff team, you're not a Super Bowl team anymore, that, that discount is out the window. People are going to want their bag. So um, that's something I'm going to be – that's the thing that concerns me the most about the Chiefs down the line because they do have seven years with Mahomes, which is great for them. They, they hold on to Mahomes for that long, but, you know, Cast face wise, that's going to be a concern uh, going down the line. Um, but you know, I'm not saying Mahomes is overpaid. I like the contract he got. I just think that if they're trying to win, people should be more willing to make cuts, cough cough like Brady did, uh, so you can consistently stay in the championship picture and consistently bring talent to be in the picture. Um, but you know, looking at this draft, this is not. It makes them getting cut a little bit more understandable because looking at this draft, if they're going in the direction of, you know, drafting a uh, tackle or even a guard uh, and trying to move them to tackle, um, you know, it's, it's, this is probably the best year to do it or one of the better years to do it. Um, though the interior linemen are as good as tackles this year, um, the draft class of offensive linemen are projected to be stronger than last year's. So, you know, I think, them drafting and drafting a tackle, which is more important to them than a guard, obviously, of course, it would be the most ideal thing. Um, I can see that tackle from Notre Dame being drafted by them, uh, Etchenberg, but I don't know. I don't know if I should be concerned just yet. I think Thune, the signing of Thune did comfort a lot of the Chiefs fans as he is arguably one of the best offensive guards in the NFL right now. Um, but you know, I, I think I'm, I think, I guess my answer would be, I'm not, I'm not concerned just yet. I think that with the draft coming around and, you know, free agency, I think they're, I think that was it. Free agency. Unless you're going to do little one-year deals, you know, or longer deals for shorter, uh, or, or for less amount of money. Um, I think cap wise, I don't think they can afford to make too many more moves. So this is all draft oriented stuff. Now they're going to do most of their drafting. And most of their uh, drafting for um, tackles and all that stuff, that's going to be all done to the draft. And it's going to be a lot of depth drafts, uh, depth drafting as well. So it'd be interesting the direction they're taking. I'm surprised they're taking it this soon because both of those guys were projected to come back and be healthy for next season. Uh, And they're both, you know, when they played together, they were one of the best duos. So, you know, to see them take this step this early, it was, was a bit shocking. But like I said, I wouldn't be concerned just yet. Yeah, my concern is more short-term. You know, just in this upcoming season, uh, I'm definitely concerned. Long-term, I'm not that upset about it, uh, but it is going to be very hard to replace uh, an Eric Fisher-type talent uh, at tackle. So they're going to have to do a lot of good drafting 
that's going to be the key for them winning future Super Bowls, just how good are they going to draft. Uh, but I also do want to mention that um, – what was I going to say? What were you saying a little bit earlier? Uh, right before right before you kind of uh, talked about the like the young players. Oh, before I talked about the draft, I was talking about, oh, the yeah. Super Bowl discount? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. So, you know, their players aren't going to get a discount double check or none of that, okay? They're <laughs> – they're like, like I was saying, they are going to have to draft in order to get um, more talent uh, because everyone's going to, everyone's going to be paid at that point. They're going to have to rely on the salary going up, salary cap going up and all that stuff. Uh, but I, there's also some, a little bit of breaking news. I'm not sure if you've seen this or not. Not yet. Okay. So this is actually has to do with the football team. Uh so the Washington football team has just agreed to a deal with the Bengals cornerback, William Jackson. Mm. Yes. Do you want to hear the uh, money amount? Oh my gosh. Is this, is this a lot? It's 42 million with 26 guaranteed three years. I mean, they paid Kendall Fuller similar to that kind of money. We do need a corner. This is a good signing. I think, like I said, this was one of the positions they need to address. Cornerback, linebacker, wide receiver. They touched on cornerback. This is, this is, I think William Jackson was one of the best corner, one of the better corners this past season, even though, you know, the, the Bengals, you said it was the Bengals were corner, right? Yeah. Even though the Bengals were pretty rough. Um, this is happening really on the fly, isn't it? Yeah, breaking yeah wow wow i mean it's better i think this is a better signing uh than i expected i did not expect us to drop too much money uh this offseason especially on um i mean i guess when it comes to the corner position you really do have to put a little bit more money out than per se for a linebacker or especially a yeah you could put receivers probably get a lot of decent money by amount of money but uh, this is I'm surprised I, I'm glad they uh, I'm glad they wanted to address this you know with Ronald Darby being out and you know leaving this was something they had to kind of handle immediately he is 28 so he is on the older side for corners but you know I, I like this I, I I do like this signing um it's very surprised that they put this much money out because Washington always seems very timid uh, and back in the day, they had a very big history of overpaying a lot of people. Uh, the first thing that comes to mind, Albert Hainsworth, and uh, was arguably one of the worst NFL contracts in history. Uh, but you know, this is this is you know, this was a decent amount of money uh, for a good corner. I, I can't complain. I really cannot complain about this. I, I think it's it's a pretty decent. I think it's a pretty decent deal. Um, you know, they're doing what you said that you wanted them to do so mm-hmm. you know and like i was saying earlier ryan fitzpatrick now has a a pretty solid defense to back him up and <laughs> let it fly if the offensive lets him and it looked there's a lot of reasons to be excited for the washington football team next year i will tell you that much from an outsider looking in i'm not even a fan of y'all and i'm excited to see what you guys are going to do uh but let's yeah <laughs> <laughs> let's cover some other things that, that have happened. So Drew Brees retired. Um, 
thank you, Drew Brees, for all you've done. Uh, it's been, you know, it's been awesome watch. I, I grew up watching Drew Brees. He was one of the first uh, ever, he was, he was a part of one of the first ever Super Bowls I ever watched as a kid. So shout out Drew Brees uh, and good luck for, you know, the rest of your life after football. Uh, they also gave Taysom Hill a crazy extension, which a lot of people actually uh, are very confused at, but it's a very strange situation. So they gave Taysom Hill a four-year, $140 million extension. And when it first came out that they did this, I remember everyone was flooding the comments with like, yo, <laughs> this guy, like, why is he getting Mahomes money? Like, why is Taysom Mahomes level money? And if you look into the deal a little bit more, actually every single year of his contract is voidable which means they can just completely cut him off and just not give him the money. Um, this it, it's, he only has about 12 and a half million guaranteed. So what this actually is, is just, it's finessing of the, of the cap space. They are basically kicking the can down the road because they, I believe to start the season, they had 90 million over the cap or something ridiculous like that. Didn't they? So they, they are did. looking, they are looking desperately for every possible way to just cut down on any single cost they can. They let some dudes go. They've been restructuring like madmen. I mean, they are doing many gymnastics just to get under the cap. It's ridiculous. Uh, and this is just another one of those gymnastic things. Uh, the way that they like were able to pull this off is that uh because of because of covid i believe i think pat mcafee was talking about this because of covid uh they they reached an agreement with the uh nflpa the player association that you know they increased the amount of money that could be disparaged from year to year so you know if you have like a, let's say you have a 10 million dollar contract over uh five years or let's say over two years uh you could have maybe one year you get one million and the next year you get nine million like that, that they increase the disparity a lot um, from year to year. And so this kind of allowed the saints to just go crazy with, with, with this contract. Uh, and I'm not sure if there's going to be any repercussions to this, maybe eventually down the road, they're going to, something is, they've got to, and they, people have been saying this for the past, like five years, but they've got to pay for it at some point. <laughs> like, um, if this was supposed to be the year they were going to supposed to pay for it. Cause they were 90 million over the cap. So they <laughs> found a way to weasel the, Look, the Saints front office needs to be given an award for just how how easily they are able to weasel themselves out of any type of cap situation. It's ridiculous. If I'm a front office like the Packers, uh, I'm looking to just or if, you know, if I'm if I was the owner of the Packers, I would look to just wipe out the front office that I have and just bring in everybody from the Saints just, just to get their just to get their sap. Uh, their their salary cap managers. I just like they 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 need to be paid uh, a heck of a lot of money, man, because they're they're crazy with this. Yeah, I mean, I think it was funny that every year is voidable. I feel like at first of all, I kind of I kind of feel for Taysom Hill. They're playing with a man's money. Um, I'm not a big Taysom Hill fan. I would thought when I saw the extension at first on first sight, I was sick to my stomach. I was nauseous. I was like, this. There's no way a gadget player is gonna get paid this much money. But you know, um, 
good on the Saints. The Saints are doing a very good job. Obviously, Taysom Hill is not going to be their their road dog. They did re-sign Jace, uh, Jameis Winston, and they do plan on having quarterback competition. But most people in the front, most people in the locker room are kind of vouching for Winston to kind of, you know, get the opportunity to play. Because, you know, Jameis Winston did throw the deepest pass for the Saints in the season, and that was in the Buccaneers, uh, lo- Buccaneers game in the playoffs, which they lost. And uh, Jameis Winston, you know, with all these surgeries and things he had from my like, arm, hand, eye, even eye surgery, um, you know, maybe he can see the field better. Maybe he can throw the ball better now. Um, so I, I, I think this would be a good way to revitalize his career. I think it would be a great opportunity for him to, you know, do a little bit more. Um, I'm, I'm not the most sure how they're going to handle some of the cuts they've made. They made a lot of cuts. And I mean, a lot of cuts. Uh, you know, they did release Emmanuel Sanders. They made, released uh, Kwan um, Alexander. They released a good amount of people. They just traded away Malcolm Brown today to the Jaguars. Um, so I don't know if we'll see the same Saints team, the same dominant Saints team we saw last year. Uh, on the defense side, offense they were kind of, eh, you, um, but you know with Winst, uh, with Jameis Winston, I think they could air it out a little bit more. Um, hopefully we will see Michael Thomas run a deeper route than a slant. Uh, <laughs> um, we'll see what they'll do even on the other sides of the of him as well because I don't know who other who their other wide receivers. I think you know this extension, they're playing they're playbook are playing checkers, they're playing chess. Uh, simple as that. So, um, you know, good for the Saints for pulling this finesse. I don't know what they're going to do next, but, uh, you know, good on them. Yeah, I mean, hey, Saints do what they do, man. They, I don't know what their future plans are. I mean, I know they, they've been debating between James Winston and Taysom Hill, our quarterback. Uh, I'd say as a, as a pure quarterback, I'd say I'd probably rather have James Winston. Um, but, you know, we still kind of – the jury's out on that. The jury's out on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they could always just draft a quarterback and completely throw off everybody's plans. So we'll see. Yeah. I, I think they're going to use this year to kind of just gauge how good either of those dudes can be. And if they don't feel like they can go forward with them, I think they will end up drafting a quarterback. Uh, but, yeah, the Saint, this, look, the Saints do what the Saints do. Uh, Allen Robinson got franchise tagged. I don't think this is – uh, that big of a deal. I, I don't think he's going to accept. <laughs> I don't think he's going to sign the tag. So. Yeah, he straight up liked the tweet. I think it was from Tory Smith or called correctly. He said the franchise tag sucks. And Allen Robinson got caught in 4K. They caught this man in 4K liking that tweet. And he went out and said he's not going to sign the franchise tag, which rightfully so. The dude deserves a long-term deal. The dude deserves to be on the winning team at this point. Um, he needs he needs to find a quarterback. His best quarterback he's played with with, and his whole playing, as long as I've heard of him, was Christian Hackenberg back in Penn State. And Christian Hackenberg went to be a hack in the NFL. So, uh, you know, he played with Blake Bortles and he played with Mitch Trubisky. And also, I guess, Nick, uh, Nick Foles as well. None of these dudes have been it. This is not Philadelphia, Nick Foles. This was Bears, and he was a bum. Let's be honest. Nick Foles was a bum uh, later on in the season, as we saw. So, you know, Allen Robinson not wanting to, you know, sign the franchise tag. You can't even get mad at him. He, uh, I'm surprised he said he even – he came out and said that he wants to sign a long-term deal with a team, including the Bears. 
I wouldn't want to come back to the Bears organization. It doesn't seem like they know what they're doing anymore. They signed Alan, excuse me, Andy Dalton to a one-year, $10 million contract. It's with two, and also can go up to 13 years with incentives, with three millions in incentives. And that was another head scratcher. The team just seems lost. The coaching seems lost. The only reason they're even keep even keeping afloat is because single-handedly because their defense. And I, Allen Robinson, not wanting to you know sign his franchise tag, good on him. The Bears are the football team, but with a slight with a better defense and with a massive uh, front office just conundrum because they like you said they don't know they don't, I feel like they don't really know what they're doing they've been searching for a quarterback for so long they thought they had their guy when they traded up for Mitch Trubisky didn't didn't <laughs> which is arguably looking back one of the worst trades uh in the yeah as of late uh man the the bear look this is what happens when you don't have a good quarterback all right this is what happens you get stuck in this purgatory of we're ready to compete, kind of, but we got nobody else to – we got no field manager to bring us these wins in the playoffs. Like I said, uh, quarterbacks win rings. Jimmy G didn't – you know, he if he can't win a ring with, the, with that stack Niners team, uh, I don't think any bad quarterback is going to win with any type of – no matter how stacked the rest of the team is. Uh, yeah, this just – Look, Allen Robinson, go get your money, man. Go do what you do. Uh, if you choose to remain on the Bears, man, God bless you. You're a stronger man than I am. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of all I have to say about Allen Robinson. Yeah, same, honestly. Uh, let's talk about something that's flying under the radar. I feel like people aren't talking about this enough. Bud Dupree left the Steelers and signed with the Tennessee Titans. I feel like this is a massive move, man. I feel like people are so just overlooking this. But you talked about in the previous podcast about how much of an impact Bud Dupree had on that Steelers pass rush. I mean, he was doubled – like I believe he's, he was double teamed more than T.J. Watt. Yeah, he was. And uh, there was another thing. You said, like, when uh, Bud Dupree was healthy and when he's active, uh, team is, the team's pass rush never went under three sacks per game. So, you know, this is a big hit to the Steelers' pass rush, which was one of the, their most important parts of their defense. Um, my thing is the Steelers this offseason, they seem very lackluster right, right at the moment. Um, letting Bud Dupree go away was definitely a big hit. Uh, I feel like the, they have their priorities in the wrong place. Um, I think them restructuring ben, big, big Ben's contract over re-signing Bud Dupree was – a, 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 it's pretty substantial. Uh, it kind of shows where uh, their their where their minds are at, and I feel like you know you, they need they should have done a better job to try to keep him. Um, I can't get too too mad at them because he probably did want uh, a fair amount of money that I don't know if they have in their cap space either. But you know the Steelers, they're they're they concern me. Um, you know. Letting Bud Dupree go definitely was a big, big hit to them. Yeah, I, I agree. This, you know, they do still have TJ Watt, who's a fantastic edge rusher, but at the same time, you know, now he's going to be double teamed a lot more. And I just, I really think, man, I just, this is going to hurt the Steelers pass rush a lot, a lot more than people are realizing, in my opinion. 
And this is going to help the Titans a lot, a lot more because their pass rush was one of their weaknesses uh, on their defense. And Bud Dupree could really come in there and kind of change the whole change the whole uh, aspect of their defense just alone, in my opinion. I think Bud Dupree is very, very good, very underrated. Um, and yeah, this is, it's shocked me when I heard this, because I thought this, I thought the Steelers, you know, I thought that one of their biggest priorities, you know, was Bud Dupree. And I, I think it was said that, uh, you know, Bud Dupree was one of their biggest, uh, was one of their four uh, biggest uh, priorities. Yeah. Prior, yes, priorities for to, to sign and free agency. And the fact that they just kind of lost them out to the Tennessee Titans, like that's just, wow, like that's not good. That's not good for the Steelers. <laughs> yeah, my thing is uh, Tennessee Titans let, let go of Janu Smith and Corey Davis. So I was worried that they were going to just let a lot of other people go away. Um, so them signing Bud Dupree did kind of uh, revitalize their, their already their early offseason mistakes. So good on the Titans part, but man, the Steelers, you know, like you were saying, like Bud Dupree did make TJ Watt as good as he was and as potent as he was because his presence. Because uh, even when we saw when Bud Dupree went out afterwards, the team's, you know, stats dropped, the pass rush, um, you know, the sacks they had per game dropped under three, which is, like I said, never happens with Bud Dupree. So um, there was already signs of what's to come if you watch the or like the ending half the ending of their season um so i i ah, man the steelers really got to do something to uh kind of make up for this mistake uh, this this detrimental mistake yeah i agree uh let's let's go ahead and end the show off with our final our final little thing uh who took the biggest who's taken the biggest l so far in free agency I know it's very early on and, you know, you never know if this team that I'm about to name will make the move that make the moves that need to make to uh, keep certain individuals uh, happy. And I guess my team with the biggest L, you know, look at the camera, my team with the biggest L right now, it's got to be the Seahawks. It's got to be the Seahawks. The Seahawks are, I mean, the, their franchise correct came out and literally said, the biggest issue team is I need protection. I need help um, on the offensive line. And man, there's been so many offensive linemen that have been released this offseason, you know, from Rodney Hudson to the two uh, from the Chiefs, you know, even, you know, a lot, a, lot, a lot of people, a lot of people walked, a lot of the linemen walked. And there are so many, so many in the market, but they're in such a bad cap space. Um, they have such little cap space. I guess I can see why I could give a little bit of a break, but they have been doing a little bit more to try to make some cap space for, I guess, something eventually. Um, they let their running back, Carlos Hyde, walk, who was a decent, decent running back. He's a very uh, solid running, uh, solid backup running back. They let Shaquille Griffin go, who was their, I guess, their number one cornerback. They really don't have one. They did sign a cornerback today, Witherspoon from the 49ers, but in my opinion, they really haven't found their number one corner just yet, which that's probably their second biggest problem besides offensive line. And we've seen teams with not the greatest cap space make moves to get linemen, such as the Ravens, the Chiefs. These teams made an effort to get offensive linemen because they realized those are things that their team needs. Um, you 
No, there's still some good offensive linemen, like you were saying earlier in the show, Trent Williams. And, you know, there's a couple other, obviously, out there. But Seattle's doing a really bad job in trying to – they're not being as aggressive as they need to be. They're too nonchalant. They're too easygoing. They, they just think that everything's going to just come to them. I don't even know if Chris Carson will come back to their team, quite frankly. And he was their starting running back. So, and, and remember, Pete Carroll wants to run the ball. He wants to run the ball this this season. So, you know, I don't know what he has in mind. I don't know what the front office has in mind. I think this for me, if I was Russell Wilson, I'd be fuming by how little, how inactive the team has been to try to bring more pieces, try to do more, you know, to restructure contracts. You know, they're not doing their best they're not trying it, it seems like they're very laid back i keep saying and it's it's getting to a point where if i was russell wilson maybe maybe you really do have to consider a change of scenery um just to keep yourself uh safe uh in a better situation and I, I mean this is getting to a point where if i was him i would definitely start weighing my options a little bit more so i think with all that said, that my opinion, they just took the biggest L so far. Yeah, what concerns me about the Seahawks is now also they are looking to probably pay Chris Carson, which, depending on how big that contract is, is going to be a mistake. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. And, like, they, they also drafted DJ Dallas. So, you know, if they if they pull up Packers and extend Chris Carson on a big deal, it's just going to be another Packers situation where, like, do you not believe the guy you drafted? Like, do you not believe in him? Like, why did you draft him then if you're not going to eventually give him a chance to be the starter? It's just – and DJ Dallas did – he did have some very solid games uh, when Chris Carson was injured. He did – he kind of did prove that he, he has the uh, potential to do this. He has a potential to kind of hit Chris Carson's level, if not maybe even surpass it one day. He's younger. He has more potential. I just think that, you know, if if they re-sign Chris Carson and it's a, it's a sizable deal, uh, I think Russell Wilson's going to be gone a- after next season. I do think in the next offseason, I think it's just time. I think Russell Wilson's going to ask to move on. Uh especially if they don't find any type of success in the postseason or if they, if they even miss it. Cause like their division still, it's still pretty stacked. They're in the best division in football. Yeah. And that's, that's my take. They're the best division of football. I, I the NFC West is the best. I agree. If the Bengals weren't the Bengals, I'd say the North, the AFC North, but they are the Bengals. So yeah, I will agree that you know, this, the division Seahawks are in are, is definitely the best in the, in the, the whole league right now. And to not, you know, make serious attempts to address their line uh, and even their secondary to eat, to let a cornerback go, you know, it's just, is ridiculous. They, it's, it's, they need to, they need to make these improvements and they're just not doing it. Uh, and you're right. It doesn't feel like they're really even trying, but we'll see, you know, it's still early in free agency, uh, but you know, look at the, look at what Bill Belichick did. And just like the first two days, like he completely changed his team just by all these signings. Uh, it, you know, it feels like the Seahawks aren't attacking free agency with that level of aggression they need to because they they have a lot of talent that they can possibly win a ring with, but they're not really – it feels like they don't really believe in it. Uh, it feels like they just kind of want to 
just run the entire game. Like we've been saying, like they just <laughs> run every single possession if they can. And so if they do re-sign Chris Carson, I'm going to be very disappointed in this team. And Russell Wilson's probably gone. I think that's going to be kind of, you know, that's going to lead to the straw that breaks the camel's back. And I think Russell Wilson will eventually request out and we'll see if he really gets out. It depends on the kind of what happens with this, with this Deshaun Watson situation. He's, he's in a very precarious situation where, you know, his, what happens with Deshaun Watson will influence the rest of the league most likely for like, you know, to the league's end uh, in terms of just player empowerment, because he requested out. If he does get out and he does get his way, that's going to inspire Russell Wilson to do the same probably. And maybe other quarterbacks, maybe eventually Joe Burrow, because the Bengals have also not been having a great free agency. They just haven't signed anyone of note lately. Um, and they were one of my heavy considerations to put here. But at the same time, I didn't have any expectations for the Bengals. The mm-hmm. Bengals are the Bengals, the Bungles. They don't even have an indoor practice facility. So <laughs> yeah. I expected them to have a bad free agency. But a team that I expected to do better that is just taking a big L right now is the the Pittsburgh Steelers, man, the Pittsburgh Steelers, they lost, um, they lost their starting right tackle. Uh, he left to, I forgot exactly what team it was. Let me double check with the chargers. He left to the chargers and, you know, they, they signed a couple of dudes to kind of fill the space, but you know, it's not, you know, they're not going to, I feel like they're not going to be as effective in my opinion. Uh, and, you know, like he started 13 games last year for the Steelers, you know, like um, he's just, it sucks for them to lose their, one of their offensive uh, line talents, and especially on an aging line like they have, they have a very, they have kind of an old line uh, that's really getting up there. Same with Big Ben, he's also getting up there. And he's one of the most immobile quarterbacks in the league. So you need a line to protect him. Otherwise, like he's done. Uh, so the fact that they let one of those guys go who I believe he was also one of the four people that they wanted to re-sign, which they just end up not getting to do. Uh, you know, they let him go. That's going to really impact uh, big Ben and the offense in general, in my opinion, but it's not going to be as impactful as losing Bud Dupree. We talked about it earlier, Bud Dupree is such an unsung hero of that defensive line he he holds them down man like he he's he genuinely he generates a lot so many double teams that allow tj watt to just flourish on the edge he's a big part of their pass rush big part of their defense and he's gone for nothing for nothing oh that's also something i did want to bring up with the chiefs uh they also could have traded eric fisher i feel like they could have gotten some type of deal for him maybe even even if it's like a fifth rounder i don't know i feel like it, you know I feel like they, they, they made those cuts just to, just to kind of sign Thune as fast as possible. But at the same time, they could have gotten something for Schwartz. They could have gotten something for Fisher. And, you know, I'm not too upset about that, like I said. But it is what it is. But the Steelers, man, they lost Bud Dupree for nothing. And that's going to hurt them a lot. They, they probably are going to get a, a comp pick in the draft. But at the same time, Man, that that comp pick is not going to measure up to Bud Dupree. <laughs> uh, not at all. Likely, most likely, he is is not going to measure up. Yeah. Also, um, 
looking into their offseason, how it started off, actually, uh, I think it was Maurice Pouncey, their starting center. He also retired. So their O-line is slowly getting gutted uh, right under their noses. Um, as much as I can care less about him as, um, you know, outside of football, Juju Smith-Schuster, they might lose it out on him. Um, there's been speculation that he's not even going to come back. And, you know, he's not, in my opinion, he's not a receiver number one, but he's a solid receiver number two. And if they can, if they lose out on him, you have Dante Johnson, who literally drops, he, he can get, you know, his catches in, but he also lets NFL and drops, if I recall correctly. Uh, obviously, I guess I'll have to look to really have Chase Claypool be the guy, but it's just, they're losing so much. And they're losing pieces that made them good. Um, like I said, as much as I can care less about Juju Smith outside of football, he was solid. He was solid on the field at times. Um, you know, I just feel like they really aren't pushing the needle. Um, they, they've been, there's a lot of false, uh, a lot of false, what's the word, uh, promises, uh, empty promises. Uh, a lot of things to keep saying like, oh, we're prioritizing this person, this person. The only thing how I've seen it is they prioritize Big Ben so far. Other than that, everything kind of fell to the ladder. Um, I get get it. Big Ben's your guy. You know, that's a ride and die. That's, you know, your French, still your franchise quarterback, but they could do better than this. They could do better than this. Um, you know, and setting Dwayne Haskins as your backup. I mean, that's as a Washington football fan, uh, I wish you the best of luck with that. They haven't really done anything to impress me. There's nothing that's been substantial. They're losing out, like I said, on a lot of players. Um, you know, really what they need to do is, you know, try to get a running back. At this point, try at least try to get a running back in the in this. You know, I'm not thinking Chris Carson, but just anybody, you know, any any running back in particular. Uh, they just need somebody that's not James Conner who gets hurt and when he plays gets like 10, 20, 30 yards, maybe if luck, he's lucky. He's, he's, he's a little rough, um, but you know, they just need a lot more to help, I guess, big pin in these last few days of being a starting quarterback. I feel like the Steelers are, I feel like they're kind of wasting a year and this is in all fairness to big Ben but let's be real. We kind of saw like the best of what he could do last year, most likely. Like this is that's this is probably the end of, of Big Ben's career. This feels more like a farewell season than it does like a we're trying to compete season. Uh, losing Bud Dupree, losing their starting right tackle, losing their center. It's it's a lot to lose. And what have they really gained besides? I mean, not besides getting Big Ben's deal restructured, like, okay. Uh, just in general, you know, like I said, Big Ben just kind of feels like, it kind of feels like they're just sending off Big Ben, uh, which, you know, rightfully, you know, emotionally, sentimentally, that's the correct thing to do as it's a human being. But when you're running a team logistically, like this team, like started the season, like 11 and 0, they are, they have a good shot to, you know, with better quarterback play with a better running back, they have a shot to straight up win the Super Bowl. And they are not pushing on that. Like, there's a lot of teams that I feel like need to be more aggressive. The Steelers are one of them. I feel like they need to be way more aggressive with their moves and they just lost very key pieces. And, it, you know, 
this Steelers team might not win the, they're probably not going to win the division next year again. If, you know, if, if Big Ben plays like he did last year, they're, they're I don't think they're going to win the division again. Like, they're, they're, what? Go ahead. I know you're happy to say that as a Ravens fan. So I know there's a little bit of that. I think they play into the sentiment too much. Uh, they had to really get past it. The front office has to. I mean, think about when Peyton Manning broke his neck and when he had to, you know, stay on the sideline. He was there most of the games, you know, pacing around, helping, coaching like the talent around, and then they just traded him. You gotta get rid of that sentiment. I mean, yeah, Peyton Manning went on to win, had played his probably his best season. The Colts made a mistake, and you know he played his, <laughs> his best season. And he won a ring, you know, to kind of like a getcha kind of like thing. But um, Big Ben, he's definitely passed even like okay, like we should rock with this guy, start this guy. In my opinion, he's he's I wouldn't call him washed. He's not that bad, but like this team needs to go in a different direction if they want to stay afloat in this AFC North. That's obviously the Browns keep getting better. The Ravens are going to keep getting better. The Bengals, you have to assume some down, somewhere down the line, don't get better. Um, but this team is just regression. That's all they're doing. We both saw them to start regress near the end of the season. You know, once they lost to Washington, when they took their first loss of the season, they just regressed and regressed. And, you know, I don't know what's to come. I don't know if this team will be over 500 at the rate they're going this offseason. They have to, they have to, oh, like, have to, have to. That, that's get, your bold take of the, that's your bold. <laughs> Mine was I, I don't know. Patrick. Listen, right? Mike Tomlin has never been under 500 as a head coach of the Steelers. Kudos to him. I have a lot of respect for him. But this might be the season that they keep lacking. You know, eight and nine is a very possible thing. And they're not doing much to replace the pieces they lost. And I don't know if they're trying to do it to the draft, which I did not see this team thinking about that. If you were thinking about that, you wouldn't have won that many games because you're further back pick, you know. But this team has to be more aggressive. They have to make more reconstructions. They have to do what they can to help. Do what they can to, if you want to keep Big Ben in this position, do what you can to put pieces around him to, to keep him afloat. Get a running back. Because this team has not had a, since, I would say, after Le'Veon left, James Conner played one good year, and then after that, their running game has been questionable. Um, if they can at least get a running back going, that would take a lot of pressure off Big Ben. Obviously, they have to get rebuild their uh, offensive line as well. But I don't know if that's their plan. I like you were saying, and why you gave them this L. I don't see. I don't see what their vision is either. And when you don't see a team's vision, it's concerning. A lot of teams, it's very obvious what their visions are. But with, for how I see the Seahawks and the Steelers, their vision, I don't see it, and I'm concerned. And if you're a fan of either one of those teams. You should be slightly concerned as well, especially if you're a Seahawks fan. You, you should be, you should be sweating. All right, um, but I, I, I'm, I'm concerned for the Pittsburgh. Um, if they don't do anything in the next, if they don't make any real big signings, if they can't even at least sign back Juju Smith-Schuster, I'd be concerned. I just will be concerned. 
I'm actually more concerned that they do re-sign Juju. And this is why I think Juju's asking for a lot of money. A lot of money. He wants to be paid. And Juju, go out there, get your money, man. That that's I'll always root for a player. I'll always root for a player to get their money. But the Steelers, if they sign him to a big deal, that's a big deal. <laughs> yeah. It's I feel like that's gonna hurt their team just as much as losing their right tackle uh and losing their center. You know, it, it's gonna it's gonna hurt them just as much because it's so much cap to tie up to just a number two mm. who is still inconsistent. Let's be real. He's he's solid he is. inconsistent. And especially without a good quarterback to really throw it to. They need to in this draft either draft a running back or draft a quarterback. I don't I don't see, you know, I don't see a future for this team unless they get a young quarterback. And if they think Dwayne Haskins is going to be that, God bless him, I hope he is. Realistically, like it's Dwayne Haskins. <laughs> like I don't think that he's really going to I don't think he's ever going to reach like above average starting level on a possible championship contender. You know, I, it's very concerning. Steelers are very concerning. Uh, Good news for the Ravens. Uh, But at the same time, man, if I'm a Steelers fan, I am sweating. I am sweating right now. And the off season still isn't over. Uh, It's still not done. So, you know, these, you know, a lot of, Teams could do whatever. They could go crazy with some trades or something. But, you know, for now, from the first two days and on, or just, just from the first two days, the Steelers have been taking a big L. Uh, the Bengals take an L, but that's that's just, that's what the Bengals do. Uh, and it's the, culture. Yep, and you're right. The Seahawks have taken a big L as well. Um, yeah, my thing with the Steelers, this is be the, for me, how I see the Steelers, the most ideal thing to do in the draft. First pick, if, they, if he's available, that pick, Najee Harris from Alabama. They need a running back. I think that's one of those explosive players that could help put the team back on at least a winning track. If they can't draft a running back of his quality or even get a running back of his quality, I just don't see it. I just don't know what to expect from this team. I agree. Uh, and on that note, I think we should end it right here. Thank you all for another uh, for sticking around with us for another episode of the Speech You Sports Podcast. Uh, once again, uh, please like and share and subscribe and do all that fun stuff. We really appreciate it. Uh, and I have been, I've been Bert. Trey as usual. And we will catch you guys next time on the Speed Truth Sports Podcast.